They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are... Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling! the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am Chad, and today's episode is powered by Pro Wrestling Tees and ProWrestlingTees.com. Every pro wrestling shirt you've ever wanted is on ProWrestlingTees.com because wrestling shirts are cool again. And with that being said, I welcome in my tag team partner, Primetime, John Paz. What's up, Primetime? Hey, yo, what's going on, Chad? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, my friend. And today on the show, we have the brother of the shooter, the brother of the Iceman, the one and only Joe Malenko. Why don't we talk a little bit about the phenomenal event that Joe Malenko is on to promote this coming Thursday, June 11th in Tampa, Florida, the huge Championship Wrestling from Florida Reunion featuring so many great legends of the Florida Territory as well as some WWE superstars of the current day. But what are your impressions about this event uh, that Joe told us about? I think it's going to be a pretty uh, awesome night. It's pretty amazing, and for a while there, it kind of went under the radar. Because you think about it, it's like, oh, man, and then just all of a sudden just popped out. like, oh, my God, that's coming up soon, the Championship Wrestling from Florida. Uh, they're coming with the uh, the Wall of Fame that's going down there at the, uh, the JCC. So just great, great event with a huge, huge guest list, which you said included some WWE superstars, which is pretty damn amazing. Yeah, I mean, he's got, you know, they've got Dusty Rose and they've got Ric Flair and they've got Jerry Briscoe and Paul Orndorff and Brian Blair and all these just classic, classic guys that, you know, for the most part, some of them still live in Tampa. They grew up in Tampa. And Championship Wrestling from Florida has left such a stamp on the wrestling business. And uh, also the influence, of course, with the WWE uh, involved as well. Chris Jericho is going to be there. I saw Tyson Kidd and Natalia have uh, been added to the list. And Roman Reigns. And I think he was he even mentions that uh, the Wyatts, uh, well, the Wyatt, excuse me, Wyatt and his brother, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Bo Dallas, uh, will be there as well so it's uh it's definitely a cool event it's going to encapsulate the history of wrestling in florida and this wall of fame is definitely going to be something to check out yeah very very cool it has some memorabilia there from gordon Soley, like you mentioned from dusty Rhodes. there was some memorabilia from jack briscoe so there's some really, really cool stuff. He even said there's going to be some some, uh, some surprises. I know Tyson Kidd and Natalia were somewhat of a surprise, but he said there will be more surprises. So really looking forward to who they add to the show and who's going to be there. I mean, you say uh, Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair, boom, you, you should automatically be there right off the bat. 
Yeah, and I don't mean to let the cat out of the bag, but it was on the uh, the paper I was uh, reading earlier, and their name was in a graphic. <laughs> so I hope I didn't ruin the surprise, but uh, that no, is no. awesome nonetheless. I was going to say, no, no, you didn't definitely didn't ruin any surprises. Okay, good. All right. Yeah, VIP meet and greets, uh, you know, a wrestling seminar or a demonstration. I'm very curious uh, to see what that's all about. And you can go to jewishtampa.com, and in the events page, there's a drop-down, and it's all the information is there, ticket information. Uh, please support it if you're in that area. You, you definitely you won't you won't regret it, especially if you listen to this uh, this interview with Joe Malenko and kind of turning towards uh, his, the wrestling side of his career. I definitely think you probed him very well with some great questions. Uh, and another one, uh, kind of on the the heels of our interview with Brian Nobbs, talking about tag team matches in Japan and uh, naming some of his favorites. And I don't want to put you on the spot, but he named the Bulldogs. He named. Dr. Death and Terry Gordy, and he also named one other team. Do you recall who it was? And out of those three, would you pick a favorite of those opponents for the Malenkos? Well, he also mentioned um, Lafon, or, or as, as he was called uh, then at that point, was a Crawford and Furnace, and he was talking about um, the Can-Am. Right. Uh, the Express and how great, uh, you know, Can-Am Express and how great they were and how uh, his friendship with Doug Furness and, and, and how Doug Furness basically used to bust his balls all the time. And uh, I guess uh, it's a funny story, you'll hear it, but basically uh, Joe Malenko has a bad match and Furness lets him hear about it. But when he tells the story, it's great. He's, he's just a hilarious, hilarious guy and uh, great stories from Japan. I also like the answer just stuff to say about the legend himself, Stan Hansen. So cool stuff. I mean, we just love hearing about Japan. Yeah, and he was there in that, that late 80s, early 90s era with some of these just mythical figures, and uh, I actually really loved his uh, his story about Giant Baba pulling a rib on him about uh, hat. Uh, it was a great hat story, and if you follow us and subscribe to us on YouTube, you would already know that since it was one of the preview clips for this great episode. But I really I implore you to listen to this, support Joe Malenko and support the Championship Wrestling from Florida event this coming Thursday, June 11th. Please, jewishtampa.com, go to the events page. All the information is there. And with that being said, primetime, before we throw it over to the interview, just want to send a quick thank you to our buddy Woody from Nectar Sunglasses. Sent over some nice shades. We will be sporting those in the very near future at all the events and all the happenings involving the two-man power trip of wrestling podcasts and prime time. With that being said, I turn the floor over to you, my friend. Oh, yeah. Can't wait till we start getting some beach weather here because it's been a little chilly, unseasonably chilly, so I can go to the beach and wear my uh, my sunglasses. That's definitely for sure. But as far as two-man power trip of wrestling business, please subscribe to us on YouTube, like Chad just mentioned. We always put out preview clips before the episode, which are very, very cool and uh, a lot of good stuff, including some new clips we edit with Kane, Ken Shamrock, and, of course, Jesse the Body Ventura, amongst others. Also on iTunes, please subscribe to us there. Give us a review. Give us some feedback. Tell us what you think. 
Also, don't forget about Facebook. Like the two-man power trip of wrestling on Facebook. Always some good stuff on there. And then you can check us out on the Twitter machine at Wrestling Pal and at Two Man Power Trip. Also, our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. And on there, on the upper left-hand corner, you will see an Amazon link. Please click on that link and do all your Amazon shopping through us. We get a little kickback, so it's greatly appreciated. And also, folks, how could I forget the great Joe Malenko? Please enjoy this interview. Not only are you going to hear some great stories about Dean, his brother, not only are you going to hear some great stories about Boris's father, you're going to hear some great, great stories about Japan, and, of course, the, the legendary uh, Tampa show that's coming up, the, the Legend of Wrestling down there in Tampa, uh, the championship wrestling from Hollywood, uh, the big reunion they're having, they're on the big Bowl of fame. So please, if you're in the area, check that out June 11th. On Thursday night, starting at 6.30, go to jewishtampa.com for all the info. So without any further ado, the legendary Joe Malenko. Please enjoy. Well, joining us on the line today is a man who is promoting a fantastic event. It's called the Championship Wrestling from Florida. Uh, basically, I guess you could say it's a reunion, and that is a man from a legendary wrestling family, Joe Simon, a.k.a. Joe Malenko. Thank you very much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. My pleasure. So tell us about this absolutely phenomenal event. It's Thursday, June 11th, 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. It is loaded with not only stars from the championship wrestling from Florida Legacy, but also uh, current WWE superstars that are going to be there. I mean, the list itself just seems like a, a, a who's who of not only the Hall of Famers and legends, but also, like I said, the great superstars of today. Tell us, uh, tell us all about it, how it came about, and what you're looking forward to. Well, it's not so much an event as it is an effort. It's a, um, you know, it is a part of a bigger picture. The big picture is this. Years back, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, into the 80s, and then revisited back, revisited in 2001. There was a venue here in Tampa, Florida. It was called the Fort Homer Hesley Armory, and it was the place to be. It was the, you know, it was a place that rocked and it lived and breathed wrestling and the greats of wrestling during all that time went through this building. And besides wrestling, it was also known as a venue for many other things. Martin Luther King spoke there. JFK spoke there prior to going to Dallas, and obviously that was one of his last times. Uh, it was present performed there. The Doors, uh, Jim Parson and the Doors, uh, Buddy Holly, and the list goes on. So this was, everybody uses the term icon or iconic nowadays. We bandy about all these terms and cheapen them, actually. But that place was truly an iconic place. It was the icon of wrestling in the state of Florida. It was the venue, and it was the venue nationwide. It was I keep telling people that, you know, it's sort of like the perfect storm deal where you just had this place in Tampa that became, that became, you know, these great people coming in here and wrestling, having great matches because every single match could have been a main event around this country. And you had the fans who were hungry for this because there really wasn't anything in the Tampa Bay area. Wrestling, professional wrestling was it. You went there with your grandpa and your grandma and your mom and your dad and you, you just enjoyed the heck out of it, and you believed it. It was a believable time where 
you know, people literally, even though they thought different, they walked into that place and they suspended reality. And for, for a few hours, they were transported to a, you know, to a place that was easy to understand. It was a good guy against a bad guy. And there was no other place like this in the country. As I say that, it was pretty special to me. There were a few other places, but not many of them. So what we're doing is we're trying to put together in the new JCC uh, Fort Homer Hesley Army. It's been taken over by the Jewish Community Center. They're going to revisit it and revise it and bring it about as the as a community center for that area of town. They're going to they've came to me to to work with them and we're going to put up a wall and it's going to be a commemorative wall. We're calling it a wall of fame for championship wrestling in Florida to again commemorate all these great guys that went through there and all the great um, all the great moments that they gave the Tampa Bay area and its residents and to memorialize some of those people, many of the, those people who are no longer with us, like my dad, Medi Graham, and Hiro Matsuda, and, and so many more. Um, and, and this event is really the kickoff of that. It's the kickoff of the fundraising effort. It's the kickoff of the project to move towards having this wall that will be erected sometime in the fall of 2000, 2016. So that is my long and verbose and drawn out. Hey, yeah, and... Le- Oh, that's perfect. And like I said, uh, you know, the, the, the people who are actually going to be in attendance, it's a, a who's who of uh, the, the iconic, as you said, uh, roster of championship wrestling from Florida. And we've actually we've had the pleasure of talking to a couple of guys that will be in attendance, like Brian Blair and J.J. Dillon. And the memories of that area of the country and that wrestling hotbed are definitely long ingrained in the minds of those who watched and those who performed. But what are you looking to accomplish with the people who will come to this event and uh, in, either introduce them to things that they maybe didn't know or uh, share some good memories with some old friends? I think it's a come. I, I think this is a multifunctional type of event that's going to allow, you know, allow a, place to come together for a lot of the boys who haven't seen each other for a long time. Um, one of the guys I talked to today is a guy by the name of Scott McGee, who used to wrestle here back in the day. Uh, Scott's real name is Gary Ports. His dad's name was Jeff Ports. In fact, I helped train him at the t- in the time. And, uh, you know, nobody's seen Scott for a very long time. He lives just a little bit north here, but you know, nobody's really seen him. So it'll be a chance to have a little bit of a reunion amongst guys who don't necessarily all get to see each other on, you know, too often. And then for the fans, I mean, it's amazing, but most of the fans know all of these guys, even going back into the 50s and beyond, because the wrestling fans, um, I mean, they're amazing. These guys, a lot of these guys are historians or archivists. I mean, I'm talking to people that have 5,000 artifacts of things sitting in their home. I've seen doll collections that probably, you know, outdo any little girl's doll collection ever. Um, although they happen to be professional wrestling dolls. Uh, so I don't think anybody there is going to be introduced to anybody that they don't know, but they're going to see people that they normally don't see. And the other thing is they're going to see people that they may not see again that probably will either you know, fully retire and not do fan fest or go out about anymore. And sad to say there's guys who are getting older, and you know, it's just one of those things that over the years we're losing more and more folks, and you know, we want to want to get as many people together as we can and keep getting together until, you know, we're, we're all no more. And hopefully for me, that's a long ways out. Um, and this wall, 
is meant to keep that legacy going that, you know, 20, 30 years from now, people will go through this facility and they'll look and go, oh, my gosh, yeah, I forgot. You know, this guy this guy used to work in this building. Well, you know, for me, it's working for, you know, for them it was having a match. Um, and we're going to have a place for people to look at memorabilia. And I've got a box stuff from my dad that literally is stuff that, you know, he handed me over 40 years of wrestling. He handed me this box and it's got pictures and personal items. And I'm going to lay that out on the table and people can come by and look and see things that they normally wouldn't see out and about. And then we're going to have a silent auction. Um, I've got, I've got Gordon Soley's leather belt that has his name on it with a cowboy hat that he used to wear all the time. I've got a shirt from Lou Fez that he wore in pictures with Jack Briscoe and, and, uh, Hiro Matsuda and Brian Blair and Jerry Briscoe and, and, uh, Eddie Graham. So, you know, we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of things that some of the wrestlers are donating in order to be able, you know, in order to be auctioned off in the silent auction that we're doing. Um, and the list goes on. I mean, you know, hopefully this is a, there's a myriad of things that's going that will go on at this at this event that kind of captures everybody's attention, makes them walk away and go, "Wow, that was really good." And it is the start of a fundraiser, so all of the money that is ra- that will be raised at this event and that has currently been raised will go to support the uh, not not really the building of the wall, but the creation of the wall. The, the wall will be built because it'll be part of the facility. So it's the creation of the wall that will be funded by this effort. And if you could talk about the inclusion of the the current superstars that will be uh, in attendance and listed as Roman Reigns and Kofi Kingston and Sheamus and also uh, part-timer slash uh, legend slash current WWE guy Chris Jericho. Uh, And I guess, you know, the systems are so different compared to uh, back during the heyday of championship wrestling from Florida. There's not many other games in town. So the guys uh, on the current roster are – you know, really on the in the number one place to be. Uh, and talk about, I guess, you know, your what are your thoughts on uh, the current crop of a WWE superstar and maybe how they would have fared back in the day uh, traveling the roads in, uh, in a territory like uh, Championship Wrestling from Florida? Well, first and foremost, let me, let me go back. And as far as the roster that is going to be there, um, there have been a couple changes. Seamus will not be there, but we're going to have uh, – we're gonna have um, um, Wyatt, the, you know, a couple of the uh, 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 Rotunda boys, um, and there's a couple potential surprises we're waiting to release, or they'll be announced at the event, so people will see a couple of people they didn't, they probably didn't even know will be there. Um, so as far as the roster goes, that's one thing. As far as you know, could these guys have worked in the territories and been part of the crews that? you know, made wrestling great back in the day or worked the territories if the territories were still up and running? And the answer is sure. You know, there's, you know, there was, there was, wrestling is wrestling. Um, the styles, the styles may be different now at times than they were back then, although you have some guys that are a little bit more old school. You know, you got a lot of, got a lot of high-flying folks that are different than we did back in the day. You know, we used to have, you know, we used to have finishes that were, things that you see 15 times during a match now. Um, is it is it my style to watch the matches of today and think, wow, this is great? Um, sometimes, yes. Uh, you know, it's, I'm not an old-timer that sits here and goes, you know, it's only good in the old days and everything today is crap. 
um, you got some great performers out there. You got some great athletes out there. So could they have could they have performed and done well in the territory? Uh, you know, in the territory business, of course. Could some of them been major stars? Yes. Um, you know, because if you had it, you had it, and you would have had it back then. You just wouldn't have had it on a national level. You would have had it on a regional level or state level, whatever you know, however big the territory was. So I um. Yeah, I always thought I was going to be one of these old guys who got in enough that I'm old. You know, I always thought as I got older, I was going to be one of these guys to look back and get all the stuff and say, eh, it was only good back then. And the reality is, nah, I've watched some really amazing talent over the last few years. And obviously, this is going to be a huge, huge show. Championship wrestling from Florida will be highlighted. But if I could go back and uh, speak about your career a little bit, now, did you get into the wrestling business, you know, because of your father? Did he, like, uh, the, the great Boris Malenko, did he want you to be a part of the wrestling business? And I don't know if he I don't know if he really wanted it. What I tell people all the time is my dad was great. <laughs> my, dad, my dad had some things in his life, but, you know, where everybody isn't quite the, you know, the, the perfect person. But he was perfect when it came to allowing me the opportunities to do things without really pushing me. Wrestling was a prime example of that. You know, he, he afforded me opportunities to, first of all, to wrestle uh, legitimately as an amateur. I started with John Heath as my first coach here in Florida back in the day, and eventually I uh, had um, Hiro Matsuda help me a little bit. Mescala Tori worked with me for quite some time, and then Carl Gotch took over. And I was a colonel pretty much the rest of my life. I worked out with him seven years, every single day, nonstop. No, I mean, you know, when I told him that I wanted a date, he looked at me like I had a third eye because, you know, dating was dating was bad and evil, and you just had to keep working out. So, yeah, but my dad afforded me the opportunities to be with some of these some of these great guys who were world class coaches, and then of course I had a lot of the boys from around the world coming through to be able to train against. And some of them were, you know, again, just legitimate great champions. Jack Briscoe, um, you know, came up to Jim. Bob Roop came up to Jim Olympian. You know, we had guys from Japan, all the key guys from Japan. Um, Tatsumi Fujinami, he, he trained with Carl early on. So Tatsumi was a kid when he came over, and I was working with him. You know, I was literally, legitimately training with him. We had a, we had a mat. We would get on it. We'd beat the crap out of each other. Um Crossroad Vasiri, who is the Iron Sheik and has become sort of a you know, parody of himself back in the day, he was he was uh, legit, and we went at it. I was a kid, but we went at it. So I had all these great guys coming through, a lot of great legitimate talent that I had a chance to wrestle against. As a, and then, you know, getting into the business, of course, it was a sort of a natural progression for me. And my dad, my dad really didn't open up many doors. He helped me get to people who kind of opened up doors like Carl got me into Mexico the first time uh, Abe Jacobs up in the Carolinas trained me before I went to Mexico because I was up in the Carolinas working for mid-Atlantic at the time and my dad got me in there but he didn't push me he just he said hey if you want you can come up here I refereed mostly and I wrestled a little bit in fact the funniest thing was I was a guy when somebody wanted to break into the business in mid-Atlantic I was a guy that they went down to the auditorium with to work out against and the whole premise of that was the Crackers would say, hey, if you go down with the referee and you can't beat him, then what chance do you stand? So, of course, they'd go down with me, and I was in pretty good shape back in the day. And you know, I'd run them through the, I'd run them through their paces, and 
most of the guys that I went down to the auditorium with, they would look at me and they'd go, Man, you're killing me. I'm, I realize that I'm not ready for this. And then they would leave and I'd go back to the, you know, mid-Atlantic office and practice and say, how'd you do? And I'd say, well, yeah. they quit and they would, they would go, well, that's great. Did you beat them up? I'm like, no, I didn't beat them up. They deserve to be in the business as much as Hamlet has in the business. But it was always funny that I was this referee that was put to the task of wrestling the guys who wanted to enter into the business because, you know, it was sort of this joke that if you couldn't beat the referee, little did they know that I was probably in better shape than most of the guys. <laughs> and, of course, a uh, very, very famous brother, Dean Malenko, also uh, you know, got in business and became a very successful wrestler. What was it like when, uh, you know, Dean got into the business as well? Did you see him uh, being as successful as he ended up becoming? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, he's um, he became a, it became a phenomenal hand. Um, I was extremely jealous of him and wouldn't talk to him for years. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I'm. I was one of his biggest fans, although I never asked for an autograph. Thing. He just kind of <laughs> signed stuff around the house and leave it for me. Um, he, uh, he was great. You know, he, he, he had some phenomenal talent that he worked against, which that always helps. You know, in the in the in the likes of, you know, Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero, of course, and Rey Mysterio and those guys. I mean, just that that whole junior, you know, that whole junior weight division was stellar. Uh, you know, if you couldn't have good matches there, you were if you were any kind of hand, you could have good matches there. You couldn't have good matches anywhere. And he really, um, you know, he shined. Uh, there, there is no question he shined. And I was proud of him. I still am proud of him. Now, did I know that he was going to do that well? No, I, I didn't know that he'd even make it into, you know, the, the big leagues because we didn't think that that was possible. But then thank God the WCW, well, W. Um, uh, ECW, thank God ECW opened up first, and that kind of introduced a lot of these guys, and WCW picked them up. And of course, WWE, WWF at the time reached out and grabbed the, you know, grabbed the, prime, the, the primo ones. You know, before, we would have never thought that because it was a big man's game. Yeah, definitely. And Dean, actually, uh, Wrestler of the Year in 1997, uh, PWS. I mean, Huge, huge um, success that he had as a hand. But also, um, you guys were a great, great underrated tag team, and you guys did a lot of touring of Japan. What was it like, you know, as far as wrestling in Japan? You hear a lot of stories from the guys that a much different crowd, much more respectful. What do you think about the Japanese fans? I think everything you I think everything you've heard to date from anybody else, I'm I'm going to mirror. Um, you know, they were, they were a very respectful group of people. You didn't have to worry about walking to the ring. And, you know, if you, you had heat or you didn't have heat and most people didn't have heat in Japan per se. Um, so nobody was going to stab you and it was, nobody was going to attack you, you know, walk to your car. That's kind of nice. And the people were respectful. They appreciated the athleticism in the event, even though, even though they may have known or they definitely knew that, you know, that there were things that were, predetermined um you know they respected the fact that you were an athlete and that you were out there busting your busting your butt and doing what you were doing and they were they were just appreciative and then you know, at those times at match where <coughs> you know the level of intensity would escalate they just really picked up on it and you know again it was it was sort of like being back at times Corkin Hall was a phenomenal venue it, was, it always reminded me of Port Homer Ashley in a sense, because it was that magical place. You know, for, for Tokyo, it's 
smaller venue. I don't know how many it's seated, probably 1,500, a couple thousand people, but the place just rocked. And when you hit, you know, when you hit those points in a match where the, you know, they call them high spots, where things would escalate a little bit, that place would just come unglued. And if, if your match was right, you couldn't hear yourself think, and, you know, you'd leave out of there and just, you know, put on nine. You know, we, we've had, we had many matches there against Fantastics and um, Doc and Terry and, and, um, you know, of course, the Bulldogs at the time, I was, you know, we were, we were, part of a uh, major mutual admiration society with the Bulldogs, Dynamite and Davey. Yeah, you guys so some, great, some great place too. and just, and, and, a, and a great pace and a great pace. And for me, I was, I mean, I was more of a, you know, my gimmick was that I had no gimmick. <laughs> I, um, hmm. you know, I was kind of a bland wrestler guy. So for me to be over there and to be able to wrestle and kind of show off a ground game, uh, MMA didn't exist really, so nobody even knew about the ground game, you know, grappling as they say nowadays. So for you to be over in Japan and be able to show that off and have people appreciate it and not get bored and go to the concession stand, that was a major plus. And last but not least, they paid you. <laughs> you know, so when you went to Japan, they told you what you were going to make. At the end of the tour, they gave you what they told you were going to make. What a novel idea because that didn't exist in some territories. And uh, and the boys all got along for for the better part. And, I made some of my best friends here. Doug Furness for one. Yeah, definitely. And, and you mentioned uh, the Fantastics with um, Tommy Rogers uh, recently yeah. passed away. Were you um, were you close with uh, Tommy, or, or or maybe separated from years away from the business? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I wasn't close to him. I mean, we were, you know, we were we were friends, as everybody uses the term friends nowadays. It's not like we stayed in touch. I've talked to him a few times over the last four or five years. I saw him, sad to say, I saw him, the last time I saw him straight on was at, uh, at Mike Graham's funeral. So we, uh, you know, we tend to, we tend to see each other more at funerals than we do anywhere else, which hmm. is just a sad, sad uh, state of affairs. Now, when you were in Japan, you're a uh, former um, junior heavyweight champion multiple times. You've, got to wrestle uh, in different territories, a bunch of great, great Japanese talent. Um, huge, huge names like Takata and Sakuraba. Do you recall um, you know, fond memories of working with those guys? Not at all. I hated every single one of them. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Look, I had... Um, I wrestled a lot of the... You know, I wrestled a lot of the Japanese as well as, well as a lot of the Gaijin. Very few of the Japanese did I really befriend. You know, Fujinami, Fujinami and myself went way back, so there was a friendship based on you know, a long, a long road together. Um, although we we don't stay in touch anymore. Um, you know, Fuji, uh, Masafuji, who we had a couple title matches. I just considered one of the one of the stellar guys over there. Um, just a great guy. In fact, I when I saw when I saw him the last time when I went over. I told him, I said, out of all the guys here that I see today, uh, you're the only one that I would come over here for. Because <laughs> I, I just thought the world of him. And, um, and really, again, it was just a couple, of the, you know, a couple of the guys on the Japanese side that I really got along with. And then the rest of it was being over there with the, you know, with the guys here from the States on a regular basis and getting to know them and you know, becoming good friends with a couple of them. You know, Stan, Stan Hansen and myself, we, we stay in touch pretty regularly. 
um, I always consider Stan a good friend. And uh, and Doug Furness was probably my best friend over there. Who, you know, Doug, Doug is no longer with us. Yeah, you guys had some great matches. Uh, you and Dean had some great matches against the Can-Am Express, Profit, um, and Furness. Uh, a lot of people. Uh, yeah, when they weren't when they weren't knocking my teeth out. <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> might Seriously. remember them from uh, the WWF as well. Yeah, yeah, I was great that game. Danny, yeah, Dan Profit was still fun. Um, Dan Danny was one of those. You know, everybody talks about the underrated, you know, under undervalued kind of guys. You mentioned it about about the Malinkos back in the day. And he was one of those guys too, man. Just a. Um, yeah, when he was on and he was and things were going right for him, he was one of the best in the business. Also, uh, you got the opportunity to team with a few times um, one of the biggest legends in the history of Japan, uh, Kenta Kobashi. What was it like working with him? Um, he's a great tag team partner. I mean, when we when we went over the first time and we were sort of a novelty to Baba, even. You know, Bob had kind of embraced us, and he pushed us a little bit. We were never, because of our size, we were never going to be that. But I was always okay with that. I was, but I always just liked to get in the ring. I liked to do good by the crowds, make a few bucks, and go home. So I wasn't, you know, I didn't aspire to greatness, and I, I always understood the business, and, and I understood that, you know, I was there to do a job, and whatever that job was, and it was going to be dictated to me. So. You know, Baba kind of took a liking to us. He had my brother and I even worked against each other as a brother-to-brother thing, and they really publicized it, at least locally, before the match. I think that stuff's on YouTube. And um, So when all that happened, he turned to us and he said, hey, well, Baba didn't say this because he would have said, hey. Um, <laughs> you ever hear him? Yeah, he's a great voice. I'll tell you Baba's story in a minute. So he uh, he said, hey, yeah, you guys want to go to... Uh, Hawaii, we'll stop off in Hawaii, we'll bring uh, Kokuchi and Kobashi to Hawaii, and we will do the Malenko School of Wrestling in Hawaii. And so we went there, and I forget how many days, we were, maybe a couple weeks even or something. And they, so Kobashi and Kokuchi, who were fairly young up-and-comers, uh, they trained with us. And we, you know, we went through things and showed them everything we knew, which that took about a day, and then we kind of hung out the rest of the two, two weeks. That's a joke. Um, so so I'd like to, you know, I'll, I'll take a little bit of credit for kind of setting the stage with Kobashi early on, and then as he grew in statue and uh, status, um, you know, we, I mean, I really, didn't, I really didn't have much to do with him past the time we were tagging because then he became, you know, at a different level in Japan and left him left me in the dust to wallow in my own self-pity and misery. <laughs> well, he, he he definitely did become a huge, huge star. And another guy you mentioned was uh, Tatsumi Fujinami, who became a huge, huge star, one of the best, uh, if not the best, Japanese wrestler of all time. You guys had uh, some good matches there uh, in New Japan for wrestling. But were you surprised to see the WWE actually honor him and put him in the Hall of Fame? Um, no, there's always been... You know, there's always been that connection between Vince and the crew overseas, and you know, it's kind of a a uh, mutual, you know, mutual use of talent between here and Japan. So, um, nothing surprised me. I was probably more surprised to see Bruno, <laughs> based on based hmm. on a lot of things that everybody knew about. So that was, and which was a pleasant surprise because, you know, he was a he was a legend. Um, 
You know, in, in his day, he was the man. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, with, with, with Fujinami, did he deserve it? Of course. He great, great talent, and he made, you know, he made big strides in wrestling in Japan for, for many years. And I've, I, I always thought the world of him. I, we, you know, we, um, we used to beat the crap out of each other and on the mat definitely when we were kids. So I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, had a lot of, I had a lot of respect for him. Yeah, that, that is awesome. And um, so I was going to tell you. So, so now I'm going to now I'm going to interject. So I got my bobbits for you. So when uh, they had hats and stuff like that, I was always looking for free stuff. I don't know if it's a Jewish thing, but I was always looking for free stuff. And so I was looking for free hats. <laughs> and they had hats, but they didn't have hats in my color, which were Malenko colors, which were black and red. We, those were Malenko colors, black and red. So I went to the hat guy in the concession. I said, "Hey." I always said, hey, hey, can you um, can you give me a hat? And I wanted it in black and red. And the guy's like, yeah, well, you know, he said whatever he said. And I thought I understood him, and I walked off. Well, later on in the tour, a couple weeks later, all of a sudden the guy comes up to me and goes, you know, Mr. Baba wants to see you. I'm like, oh, shit, what did I do? And so Baba's got this hat, the new uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling hat, in black and red. I'm like, wow, that's great. You know, Baba himself is going to give that to me. So Baba hands it to me, and I thanked him, and then he said, um, I forget how many yen, but it was like 200 bucks. He said, you know, $200. And I went, I, I, I just swallowed hard, and I went, son of a bitch. I didn't know what I was going to do, but this is Baba with a hat, and I figured, okay, well, I guess it's 200 bucks. And I wasn't, you know, I didn't have a lot of money back in the day, and what I was making in Japan was kind of keeping me going. So I said, okay, here's, here's 200 bucks. So I give him the 200 bucks, and my head's hanging low. I'm thinking, what the hell did I just do? I got the cap. I start walking away, and then all of a sudden I hear, hoo, 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 hoo. I turn around. He ribbed me. Baba ribbed me. <laughs> Baba never ribbed anybody. So my claim to fame is that Baba ribbed me, and he also carried my briefcase. He carried my suitcase one time on a train, which is the only guy he's ever carried his suitcase for. That's my, That's... That's my biggest. That's my biggest thing to fame in Japan is actually not any matches that I did. Bob had me, and he had to carry my suitcase on the train. <laughs> that is a great, great story. It's pretty cool. Um, I was going to say, I'm surprised he charged you for the hat, but obviously. <laughs> well, he didn't. No, that was a rib. He went, well, I know. He, I, he I, was I was saying as, yeah. as you were going with the story, I was thinking, I was like, why would he charge you for the hat? But then obviously, you know, he he, he got me a little too because I was just thinking the same thing. I was like, why the hell would he charge you? That's you know, so funny. See, you would have been upset too. You'd be like, "Holy crap!" But I had no yeah. choice. I was, I was, I just reached into my pocket. I started taking out some money and handed it to him. Like, okay, this is Bob. What am I going <laughs> to tell him? No, I'll never come back here again. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly. Paul, lanky bastard. Good guy, though. Excellent guy. Legend, of course. And um, in 1992, you and Dean, um, as the Malenko brothers, you guys wrestled in WCW. Uh, Clash of Champions. It was you guys versus Ricky Steamboat and Nikita Koloff. Was that just obviously it, it became a one shot deal? But was that designed just to be a one shot deal, or were you guys looking to be signed by WCW at that point? There were two different intentions between myself and my brother. For my brother, it was always to be a full time gig. My brother wanted to be in the business. I, on the other hand, wanted to use and abuse the business for whatever I could get out of it. With a understanding at the same time having a great respect for the business and you know, always working hard to do the best job I could. But, you know, from an early age, I understood my dad had 
the wrestling business as his only source of income. And I saw a lot of guys who got to the end of the road and didn't have anything left. So I went to pharmacy school. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to have a backstop. I'm going to go to pharmacy school. I'm going to get a good degree, and I'm going to know that on any, on any given day, I can make a living if wrestling doesn't pan out. So I went to pharmacy school. I kind of wrestled. Went to pharmacy school at the same time. I always had like four or five jobs. Um, when you know, when wrestling kind of still slowed down for me because I really didn't quit it, I just did pharmacy. I was a pharmacist. Now, my brother really had the passion to get into the business and make his name in the business and do what he did. Um, I just, I didn't do that. I I didn't try to do it. If I tried to do it, I might not have done it as successfully as my brother, but I didn't even try. So, you know, we, we, we went into matches with a different mindset. His was... You know, make make somebody look at him so that they got so he got his shot and thank God that happened for him. And for me, it was do the best match you can, have a great time, and then go back to your day job. Nice, okay. And you actually ended up making another appearance in 1998 for WCW. You know, just a brief appearance during the the great uh, Dean Malenko Chris Jericho feud. Um, and you yeah, that's when I got hit with that's when I yeah that's when I got hit with a cardboard. With a with a cardboard uh, display and a and a prosthetic limb. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I wish you would have hit me with something a little bit more substantive that would have played a little bit better. So <laughs> that was a great feud, though. Uh, obviously, your brother and uh, uh, Jericho. Oh, uh, yeah. That, I I think it was the one match where he had a mask on and he came in and then he took the mask off was one of the loudest moments in all of professional wrestling. I, I think that's uh, it's recorded as such. Oh, yeah. I believe it was Slambury 98. He was as a – I want to say he was Cyclope. He wins the Battle Royal, and he takes off the mask, and he has to wrestle uh, Jericho, and the crowd went absolutely crazy. It was one of the loudest pops I've yeah. ever heard, and Jericho says the loudest pop he's ever been a part of. Yeah, pretty amazing. Now, as we uh, wind down here, I mean, obviously you've had a great career, so many great matches, New Japan, UWF, All Japan, I mean, uh, down there in Mexico, down there in Puerto Rico, WCW, but do you have a favorite match or maybe matches that you've had all time? Um, uh, those are always the hardest questions. No, not, not a favorite match. I've done a lot of things out there that I've, that I look back on, I think, wow, that that was really neat. You know, we, I mean, when we we went against Doc and you know against uh, Steve Williams and Terry Gordy the first time, uh, just phenomenal being out there. Terry was, you know, Terry was special in the ring, just a good, solid looking guy. Um, obviously, again, Karen and, and the Bulldogs. I mean, our match against the Bulldogs was. I think it was in 89, we just, you know, we went out and it just clicked, it gelled, everything came together. You know, even our styles that were so different just meshed real well. And you know, we were doing things that they brought out of us and they were doing things that we brought out of them and it, you know, it all came together to create a great match. I think a lot of people look back on that tag match as sort of our shining shining star moment, but there were there were so many others. I just... There were so many great guys there. It was easy to have a good match. And then, you know, also in Japan, I had my worst match, my worst match ever. In fact, I was just talking to Joel Deaton about it recently. Joel, who was Joel and Dick Slater against me and Ken Shamrock, who went on to UFC fame. 
Um, so you've got three, you know, we always laugh about the fact that you had three hands in that ring. Um, and I consider myself, you know, good at what I did. And Joel was great. And Dick, Dickie Slater was phenomenal. And he was one of the best as a young guy. You know, you had three of us and you had Ken Shamrock, and we had a terrible tag match. And it's a match that Doug Furness never let me live down until the day he died. Finally, the only piece I got was Doug died. And now I don't have to hear about that match anymore. <laughs> Is there any match? I had a good mix of things. <laughs> yeah. Is there any um, match in your career like that, that eluded you? Basically a dream match of a guy that you always want to wrestle and you never got the opportunity to do so? Hmm. Uh, not because I I wrestled all the guys. I, I mean, I wrestled Randy Savage. You know, I wrestled Randy. I wrestled Bob Orton Jr., who I thought was again one of the one of the greats. He just had a he just had a natural gift for being in the ring. Um, he could he could be in the dressing room, put out his cigarette, walk to the ring without having done a single thing, and just have a great match where other guys were warming up and worried about what they were doing. Um, and then I also had the chance to wrestle against my dad. Which, um, you know, if I had any dream match, it would be you know, wrestle my dad, and I did that, and my brother, you know. Hmm. Definitely. Yeah, no, nobody else. I, I, I'm satisfied with who I wrestled. Anybody else uh, would have just been, you know, maybe a little gravy, but they wouldn't have been the meat and potatoes of what I considered a good career. Very nice. And and if you could, if you could sum up the legacy of the Malenko name in professional wrestling or what the perceived legacy would be uh, from an outside point of view, what would that be? I mean, I think I think the legacy that means the most to me is the legacy that I witnessed when my dad died. And we had, and we had the funeral service. And, um, you know, Macho Man was there, and and Rand and uh, you know his dad, um, and I don't remember if Hogan was there, but there were a lot of guys, and Cyclone Negro was there. I mean, there was more, you know, there was more meat in that room than you know than sits in the biggest butchery house in the world. I just it was huge, and I just remember at the end of I just remember at the end of the you know the service, people saying. You know what a in in Yiddish they say mensch. You know what a mensch, what a man my dad was, and that's the kind of legacy that means the most. Everything else kind of fails and you know kind of falls short in comparison. It's it's you know are you are you the man? So hopefully when everything's said and done, when people think about the Malenkos, they'll say they were you know, they were good men. Ricky Steamboat said something to me, and it was probably the nicest thing that ever that any of the boys has ever said. He looked at me. He goes. He goes. I have to tell you something. Well, what? I thought he was going to yell at um, Sort of like I was worried about Baba charging me for that. Ricky looked at me and goes, you know, whenever we talk about you, we always say that you're a real deal. And I almost cried. I'm like, holy crap, you know. Um, hopefully that meant that I was a real deal as a man and I was, you know, a good person and kind of the whole ball of wax. And, you know, that's a legacy for my dad and my brother and, and myself that I think would, uh, would be pretty okay for us. Well, that's that sounds absolutely phenomenal. And the event again, Championship Wrestling from Florida, Thursday, June eleventh, six thirty p.m. to nine thirty p.m. Just tons of great wrestling legends and, and current stars. And there's going to be, 
like uh, like, like we, we had heard, uh, a silent auction and, and VIP meet-and-greet opportunities. We thank you so much for coming on and, and plugging the event. It sounds like it's going to be fantastic, and we uh, we really thank you coming on. Well, one last thing. Go to JewishTampa.com, and you can buy tickets, and you can see the flyer for the event on there. So JewishTampa.com will allow you to buy tickets. And we also have a GoFundMe account. If anybody wants to put a couple dollars towards the effort, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I love love the fact that you guys took the time to have me on because, again, I sort of live in anonymity, so I get get to talk a little bit and get it out of my system.